How you think about life determines how you practically respond to it. I'm talking about your thought life. I'm talking about the things that that move around inside your head all day long. As you think about your past, your present, and and you look into your future, you bring all of that together, you wrap it up, and it gives you your thought life. And whatever your thought life is, it really sets the course for your life. It determines how you function practically in a very real and difficult world. Living in a broken world is hard. It's chaotic, it's stressful, it's challenging. And if you have a skewed understanding of the doctrines of man, the the doctrine of sin, salvation, and the Lord, you will not engage your life experiences from a God-centered perspective. Doctrine simply means sin, and so we have the doctrine of man, anthropology, we have the teaching of sin, harmoniology, we have the teaching or doctrine of salvation, soteriology, the doctrine of the, uh, the doctrine of God, theology proper, there are many more doctrines as, as well. But if you have a skewed understanding of the teachings about humanity, sin, salvation, and the Lord, it will be hard to engage your life from a God-centered perspective. Now, this reality makes connecting the gospel, drawing a straight line from the gospel to everyday life, vital. And so what I want to do in this podcast is I want to, I want to cut out one of those aspects in our lives that, that we all have had some experience with, and that is loneliness. And I want to connect loneliness to the gospel. One of the more crucial gospel connections that you can make is how you think about loneliness. And so I'm going to talk about it in this podcast. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. If you want to read what I'm sharing with you, I would love you to do that. The title of this podcast and the article they're both free. You can you can read the article. You can listen to the podcast. You can share with with all of your friends. The title is "How to Connect the Gospel to Being Alone." I've had multiple people ask me over the years about this idea of being gospel centered. It's, it's been on our wavelength for a couple of decades now, and. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And and we want to know how to connect the gospel to everyday life. And so I, I've written some that make that direct connection, and, and those articles are there. And I thought, I just need to do more of it. And so I'm taking this idea of loneliness, and I want to connect it to the gospel because we all have experienced loneliness, ironically, providentially maybe. I'm doing this podcast during one of the most challenging times in all of our lives. We're right smack in the middle. I hope it's in the middle. I hope it's in the end, actually. Uh, But we are in this what is called COVID-19, and we have learned some new terms, uh, or terms we've never used before, like social distancing and sheltering in place. The sign makers around the world have been making signs that they have probably never made before. And social distancing and sheltering in place, it just simply means you're staying away from people and you're staying at home. 
you're sheltering in place. Now, that compounds loneliness. Some of you were already lonely before before all of this happened, and, and now it is it's exponential in your life now. Others of you, you, you weren't lonely and you were doing quite well, but you're lonely now. And so this podcast and this article is quite relevant for all of us, how to connect the gospel to being left alone. One of the beauties of the Psalms is their realism. On every page, someone is struggling with a life issue. Psalm 78, Psalm 88 rather, is one of those excellent examples of a man who is lonely and does not withdraw his anger toward God for not being there with him. Now, I have, I have said those words or something similar to that in my life, and some of you have also. As we rail against God for not being there, what that means is you, you didn't meet our expectations. We had a life that we, we thought, we expected it to roll out a certain way, and it didn't. And sometimes we can find ourselves in a lonely spot, and if we don't put a a governor on our mouths, we can be like our friend here in in Psalm eighty eight, and and we can we can not withhold our anger from the Lord. Listen to His words. This is Psalm eighty eight, verses thirteen through eighteen. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you, O Lord. Why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. That's heavy enough, and that's just 13 through 18 of Psalm 88. The writer of this psalm is Heman, H-E-M-A-N, and he is angry, he is mad, he is upset. And though he wants to follow God, you do feel that in what he is saying here, what he said here, his anger over his present circumstances is overpowering his faith to the point that he is accusing God. In one sense, Heman is saying that God has never been there for him. Now, his ranting is hyperbolic, and you'll see hyperbolic language throughout the Bible because it, it helps us to really feel and to get a grasp on what is going on here. Jesus was a master at using hyperbole as he communicated truths. But in this point, in this passage, Heman is using hyperbolic language, but no question that he is charging and blaming the Almighty for the difficulty that he is experiencing. And he finishes his hopeless and morbid tirade by saying that darkness is a, a better friend, a better friend than God. 
He said, my companions have become a, a darkness. What do you think God is thinking about the ranting and raving of Heman? Maybe you can make that more personal and, and ask, what do you think God is thinking about your ranting and raving when you do it or have done it? Part of the answer to my question here has to include the inspiration of Scripture. See, what I was sharing with you was God's Word. God's Word is inspired. God penned these words, or humans penned them, but under inspiration of God, God permitted these words into His Word, which means He's very much aware of what was happening in humans' life. The Lord understands how a man thinks and prays in his darkest moments. Heman is having this hyperbolic tirade as he's charging and blaming the Almighty. God was there. And even though Heman was sitting in darkness, God was there. God chose not to censor the hard language of this man in this psalm. You can also conclude that God knows the noise that is running through your head, even if it's not complimentary to Him. The Lord is not intimidated or frustrated by the evil thoughts or uncharitable accusations of His creation. Now, what I don't want you to hear is a recommendation to go rogue with no governor over your mouth, with no self-control over what James called the unruly evil. But if you are living like lost and angry heman, the Lord's steadfast love would never be absent from your life. The Lord's steadfast love was not absent from heman's life. The inclusion of Heman's words in God's word reminds me, it reminds me of the child who thinks his parent is unaware of what he is doing. For those of you who have children, when they were much younger, you remember sometimes they'd do sneaky things or do things that they thought was on the sly, but but you knew exactly what they were doing. This is what Heman reminds me of. And again, to make it more practical, it, it's, it reminds me of me doing something on the sly or, or thinking something in my thoughts. God is very much aware. His steadfast love does last forever, no matter how angry you become. And just one more caution, I'm not recommending that you go rogue and just be and say anything that you want to be, but I do want you to hear this loud and clear. God's love is steadfast. It does last forever, no matter what, even no matter how angry you become. One of the reasons this time was so dark for Heman was because of his expectations. He expected God to do good for him according to how he wanted good to happen for him. Now, Haman's problem is ours, too. 
Every one of us is in Heman's boat. We have a specific good that we want. Think back, look back into your past, and think about specific and certain goods, outcomes, expectations that you wanted, and it it didn't happen. You've had that experience. For some of you, it is absolutely huge that you did not get what you want. I'm not minimalizing it at all. Uh, And I'm not saying it's easy at all. I mean, I have lived it. I've lost a good bit in my life, as many of you know, uh, losing a, a drunk dad uh, as a teenager, having a dysfunction, losing a home, basically, as, as a child, losing a wife, losing two children, losing two brothers who were murdered. I mean, it, even the desires that you have, I'm not saying that they were wrong, they're good. What I have just listed were good things. I would like to have a, a normal daddy. I would like to have a normal childhood. I would like not to be divorced. I would like to have all of my children in one place that we're all loving each other. I would like to have my brothers alive, not murdered, living a normal life. Heman's problems are ours. We have a specific good that we want, and our frustration can come when the Lord does not deliver according to our expectations. You have to remember what is going on in this passage. No matter how bad things seem or how bad things appear on the surface, notice what's happening. It's a psalm. This is a prayer. This man is, he's talking to God. It's a prayer. This man is still calling God the God of his salvation. Did you hear that? As he said, but I, O Lord, cried to you. O Lord, he is praying. He is praying to God. And as you read the psalm, I just gave you a snippet of it, 88, 13 through 18. And as you read it, you see that he is calling out to God. And though it seems that God is not with him somehow, he has not allowed the darkness or the confusion of his life to turn him from the only one who can help. There is an implied faith here by the fact that this psalm is a prayer. Heman is praying to God. In your hardest moments, you pray to God. Your circumstances may not change immediately. They may not ever change at all according to the way that you want them. As I've given you a short list of some of my good desires, they will never be. They will, they will never be what I want them to be. And so even though circumstances don't change, you still pray to God. Your faith is the faith that God gives you. And though you may not recognize it as an active faith in the crucible of suffering, you are still exercising an active faith, which is demonstrated by your prayers to God. Heman has an active faith. Because he's talking to God, even the way that he was talking to God. This man persevered through a challenging and disappointing season. His, I'm going to call it weak faith praying. 
His weak faith praying demonstrates to us that the God he is praying to is more important than what he is asking him to do. He may be swerving all over the road. He may be falling apart at the seams, but he is tenaciously holding on to God, even though it might not have felt like that to him, and I am sure it did not feel that way to him. God was leading Heman to a specific satisfaction that was of a higher order than what Heman was thinking while twisting in his anguish. Our great God of grace was listening and refining his faith, Heman's faith, so that he would find his ultimate satisfaction in God alone. And that's what has to happen. Those good desires that I listed earlier, the good desires that you have in your life that are not coming to fruition. Well, what is going on here is that God disconnects us from those things and gives us a satisfaction in God alone. Now, perhaps at some future date, he he gives you this good desire, but first we have to be Honestly, to say it honestly, we have to be broken. We have to be separated from ourselves. The Bible calls it dying to yourself, carrying your cross. And so the Lord was breaking Heman from himself, of himself, and giving him a new a new mantra, as Paul said in, in 14.13 of Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. From this passage, we learn the truth from the bitter struggle of an angry man. As hope died, or as hope seemed to disappear, which might be the better way of saying it, God was working inside this man. It is in these moments of our most desperate times when we find an otherworldly strength and help. In the darkest hour of his need, God was meeting this frustrated man of faith. The title of the podcast is How to Connect the Gospel to Being Alone. And it's like, Rick, are you going to connect the gospel to being alone? Well, here it is. We know that Christ understands human. Christ is the gospel. The gospel has always existed in eternity past eternity future. Christ is the good news. The gospel is the good news. And the gospel came, the good news came, and and lived and died and resurrected. And during this moment of time that the gospel was was on earth, it it gave Christ an, an experience. And that is why I say Christ understands. I, I say Christ understands human. The gospel understands Heman. I'm connecting the gospel to this man because Christ experienced a similar but more significant kind of suffering. His agony in Gethsemane and the acute darkness and silence that he suffered on the cross tells us that we serve and worship a God who gets it. Jesus experienced it. He lived it. On the cross, Jesus bore the utter 
darkness of our sin, the shallowness of our lives, the unkindness in our hearts, the rebellion that our lives portray. He experienced the painful separation and silence of his father. The worst kind of silence known to anyone was when God the Father pressed and burnt our sin on his only beloved Son. And now we have his promise that he not only understands, but we have a satisfying answer to the problem of desperate and hopeless evil that is in our lives and that is in our hearts, whether it is coming out of us or, or whether it is being perpetrated against us, Christ understands. He overcame it through the cross and the resurrection. And because the Spirit of God is living in you, now I am assuming that you are a Christian. If you are not a Christian, one of the most, well, no, not, not one of the most, the most important thing that you can do right now is to become one. And if you don't know how to do that, if you need someone to, to walk you through that and you have nobody to talk to, would you come to us? We have community forums on our website. They are free. They are absolutely free. They are provided by those who support our ministry, and we can do this because of our uh, supporting community. And so I want you to come, and, and you jump on our forums, and you ask. You say, I'm not a Christian, don't know how to be one. This is new to me, or maybe this is old to me. I don't know, but I'm not a Christian. Can you advise me? Can you give me some guidance? And we would love to do that. But for those of you who are Christians, you're not, you're not a natural person anymore. You're an animated person. The Spirit of God is living in you. And because of that, there is a witness that all will be well with you. In fact, that's one of the evidences of, of being a Christian. You're made alive in Christ, and the hope is now in you, and you know that all will be well. And you see that uh, throughout the Bible where people, followers of God, no matter what they went through, they ultimately knew that everything would be well. You have the witness of the Spirit of God in you. Christ profoundly overcame the silence of his Father. And though it may seem a long way off to you, the gospel informs you that your darkness is not the last word. You've been listening to How to Connect the Gospel to Being Left Alone. I have a call to action at the end of this, and I want to share a couple of questions with you, three of them, if I can, if I can get through them. Number one, Jesus is your friend, even in the darkest times of your life. Heman, I don't know, obviously would be an argument from silence to even speculate on, on what he was thinking beyond what he penned. Uh, but, but Heman, I don't know how he thought about Christ or, or God being his friend during this dark time. 
that he is hyperbolically ranting and raving against God. But when I say Jesus is your friend, even in the darkest times of your life, how does that gospel truth strike you? What, what is your first impulse, impulsive? Yeah, impulsive reaction to that. That, that Jesus is your friend, even in the darkest times of your life. Does it bring hope? I hope it does, but I know for everyone that it doesn't. Or does it bring frustration out of your heart? Now, if you are struggling, and many of you are, you write to us, and there's many more who don't. And I know that you're struggling now. You're struggling with loneliness. You're, you're struggling with separation of all sorts of things. Will you talk to someone about your view of the gospel and loneliness, this connection, connecting the gospel to loneliness, as it applies to you, especially if you are if you are frustrated? Question number two, is there someone in your life who needs this good word from you today? As you think about people in your sphere of influence, Love God and love others. Will you make a plan uh, to share these things with your lonely friend? Would you send this uh, article to them? There are several ways that you can do it. You can copy the URL and the, the top of the article on the website. You can send the article and the podcast with them. You can print off this article if you wish. There's a print button underneath the article that you can use that you can print it off. You can call them up and, and say, hey, let's talk through this, and, and you have a conversation about it. There are some lonely people in your world today, right now. Would you make a plan? Would you do something about that? And then number three, have you ever struggled because you connected the anger you were experiencing to your expectations of a preferred outcome? I talked about this uh, earlier and I know it's a big deal in our lives because we all have those expectations and those desires. Some of them are good, some of them are not. And I dare say the ones that we struggle the most with are the ones that are good desires, whether it's a marriage or health or finances or some other type of relationship or vocation, whatever it may be, we can get hung up more quickly over good things that we want than the bad things. I think when the bad things don't happen in our lives, we can say, well, you know what, I, I shouldn't have been doing that anyway, or I shouldn't have wanted that anyway, and we can move on a little more quickly. But then it's the good things, and that's why it's important for you to think about this, especially if it is a problem. And so the question is, have you ever struggled because you connected the anger you were experiencing to the expectation of a preferred outcome? I have a link in, in this article, one of the more popular ones on our website, and it takes Romans 8.28 and, and breaks it down specifically on this idea of what does good mean. Uh, Paul said all things work together for good, but we can have such a narrow view of good that we, we miss a, a satisfaction that God is offering that we can never have because we are focused on this narrow view of good, and this is what was going on in Heman's life. And so as you, if you're struggling this way and you're, you have connected, I am angry and I'm connecting it to this preferred outcome that, that I had hoped, will you work through it? 
Will you, will you work through it? Maybe you need to talk to someone. Now, for the rest of you, you, you have worked through it. Now, the question for you is, how did you work through it? What were some of the things that the Lord did to reclarify and refocus your faith? Now, the reason this question is so important, well, there's two reasons. One, it's going to stir gratitude in your heart. And there's, there's, always, there's, there's always time. You, there's always time to want to be grateful and to be thankful. And so this is another opportunity to express joy uh, to God because you did work through it. And he reclarified and refocused your faith. And, and you stepped into a simplicity on the other side of your complexity. But the second reason that I want you to think about this is because the lonely friend that I asked you to talk to earlier well, the question was, how did you work through it? How, how did you get through this of, of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, having gratitude and, and joy and stepping into a deeper and more satisfying satisfaction with God? You want to think through how you work through it so that you can help your friend because everybody is not in that spot. Now, as, as always, if, if you... Uh, let me ask you one more. I got a couple seconds left. Here's one more, a bonus question. Now, all of these are in the call to action. But in what other ways does your interpretation of good and what the Lord provides conflict? Not just loneliness, which is what I've been talking about here. Are your responses to those things, whatever those desires are, are your responses more like Heman or Christ? The title of the podcast, How to Connect the Gospel to Being Left Alone. If you want to talk to us about that, you can, and we would love for you to do it. Jump on our forums, and let's talk about it, and let's see if we can help you in some way. Perhaps you have something else we can talk about. We would love to talk about that, too. Your Daily Drive is a production of RickThomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to RickThomas.net. RickThomas.net